Welcome to The Healthy Dose, a health and wellness podcast brought to you by Crystal Run Healthcare. We interview our award-winning providers and executive leadership to discuss important health issues. As we are physicians, this series is meant to provide important information on various health topics, but is not intended to provide a diagnosis, treatment, or substitute for a visit with your healthcare provider. Hi, this is Dr. Jonathan Nasser, and welcome to our second episode of the Healthy Dose Podcast. Uh, thanks for coming back again, and really excited today to introduce my colleague and friend and a wonderful physician here at Crystal Run, Dr. Nick Batson. Uh, Nick is a psychiatrist and medical director for our surgical uh, specialty division here at Crystal Run, and uh, also a trusted colleague for me in terms of helping me with some of my own efforts at the topic of today. So I wanted to uh, introduce and welcome Nick. And Nick, uh, why don't you let our audience know a little bit about yourself? Hi, well, thanks for having me. Interesting topic. A lot of people are asking about this, and I think it's really relevant to the times we have going on. So I've been with Crystal Run for a long time. Actually, not from the area. I'm, I'm from Kentucky, and people ask, like, Kentucky, because most people don't, like, haven't been there before, and they know about Kentucky Derby. But I tell people, like, we have a Target and we have a Walmart, and that's kind of all you really need. And other than that, like, everything's kind of the same. There's really not much difference here versus uh, – being in Kentucky. Awesome. Well, we're, we're glad you found your way here. So uh, uh, great. Um, Nick, we're going to talk today about kind of a variety of things uh, uh, for, for the audience around stress reduction and resilience. And so I usually like to just as people are joining, just to let the audience know a little bit about you. And I know some things about you that I thought would be fun to share. So I have a question for you. And here's my question, if you don't mind sharing. Okay. Yep. So you have a day to yourself. And it's a, you know, you got your day to kind of unwind and have some stress reduction and build up some resilience. And you have two choices, a day on the tractor or a day on a motorcycle. Oh, that's tough. That, that's like uh, cutting the baby in half kind of question, right? I would say a motorcycle ride in the morning and a tractor in the afternoon. Oh, double dipping. Yeah, I'm going to ah, go both. Okay. That. I'm going to go both. All right. Well, I love that. <laughs> well, great. So, Nick, um, just to get things started, I think many people have been hearing about in the lay press, you know, obviously, and just all over about how challenging the last few years have been. And, um, you know, in doing so, I think we're all aware of the stress and worry and fatigue that a lot of people feel. And some of it is pandemic and probably some of it isn't. Just wondering kind of you can share with us from your you know, clinical perspective, you know, what's been going on out there and what are you seeing and hearing about in terms of stress and anxiety and worry right now? Yeah, I think everything we're hearing and seeing is exactly what we see in the lay press. Depression's up, anxiety's up. There, there's I saw an interesting statistic about a month or two ago. It said the, the diagnosis of depression is up 30 to 40 percent in the last two years. Um, smoking has been going down for decades. People are smoking again. Um, you know, and, the, and kind of the, the sadder things that we're seeing, you know, and this has been in the news recently with um, some of the um, – uh, academic society saying that adolescent suicide rates are going up and overdoses are going up. So all these things are going up and up is not good. We want to be going down, but it, it is a real thing. It affects everybody all the way across. There's not any difference. It's affecting everybody equally just as bad. Yeah. And I, I think, you know, obviously a challenge and we may not have solutions for all of that today, but hoping, you know, part of our goal in having you on today was to give people some information about how they may be able to tackle some of the challenges that they or their family are having. Um, how, how are you seeing in terms of all of that stuff? Like how, how is it impacting, 
you know, say uh, people at work or people being able to get their their day-to-day things done that they need to do. You know, it adds, I think, an extra layer of stress. It adds an extra layer of something we kind of have to think about and manage all day long. I mean, you know, work is okay, and most of us like work, but if you have to think of how is COVID going to affect this and how is, um, you know, what is burnout and what is stress, and it's different for everybody. And a lot of us have lost a lot of the outlets that we used to have, you know, going out to dinner, hanging out with friends, spending time with family, and, and people just don't really have that anymore. So what do we do? We kind of go to work and we go home, or some of us are now working from home, which is a whole other kind of idea of like just difficulty of, of separating, you know, years ago we used to talk about the work-life balance. Like this is where the true like definition of this kind of comes in now. It's, there's a, it's blurred. There's not clear boundaries right now. So you mentioned a word there called burnout, which you know we we know about a lot in healthcare, and frankly, you've been talking about it before COVID. Um, can you explain what you mean by that? And like what, for folks that may be not used to that term, how does it kind of fit into this discussion? So we all have bad days, right? Everybody has a bad day every once in a while. Burnout is really more than that. Think of being kind of stressed, but on an everyday kind of level. There's a Back in the late 70s, early 80s, they did some studies and they talked about like what's stress and burnout. And so there was this, and I can't remember their name offhand, but there was a psychologist and they come up with this concept. Most people, when we talk about burnout and we say like, sometimes it's hard to conceptualize kind of a big idea like this, but we say, if, if you're going to work, what percentage of your day do you think you have to enjoy not to feel burnout? Like 10%, 80%, if you went to work and said five days a week, how many days out of the week but I'd be like, I'm happy with what I do and you know, I'm good and this would not be me kind of considering burnout. What do you think? Well, since you're asking, I'm gonna use my uh, medically trained test taking skills to come up with an answer of 15%. You're, you're pretty close. So about 20%. So all you have to really do is to like about 20% of what you do at work and you're fine. Like you are not feel burnout. out, you'll perform well, you'll do kind of all your daily tasks. It, to me, if someone said like, hey, you're gonna have a job and you're only gonna like 20% of it, I would be like, what are you talking about? Who's next? I'll go to the next interview. But there's so much involved in work and like why we stay at workplaces and all that, you know, all the fun things that we do at work and the relationships and all that. But 20% seems low, but it's, it's you know, for several decades, two or three decades, it's kind of stayed consistent to say like, yeah, this is, this is not burnout. So to go back to your original question, what's burnout? So th- there's, there are different levels to burnout. Um, it's not just like you turn it on and turn it off. So by like the technical definition, there's kind of three different stages of it. And the first one is kind of, you just kind of feel tired. You're not really there. You're not really kind of engaged all day. Like I'll give the little things of like, so you know, we're sitting here talking on a Friday afternoon, kind of later in the afternoon, some of the early signs of burnout, you know, I'm gonna get an email after one or two o'clock in the afternoon. That may just wait till Monday not kind of that drive to get it done and get it finished and some of those kind of things. Um, the brain and the body aren't disconnected, right? And so some of the things that people talk about kind of early on in burnout and how to recognize burnout, we'll, we'll get headaches. We'll get like, you know, it's like, man, my muscles are tight. Like my neck is kind of hurting. Um, you know, maybe I need new glasses. Like I feel like I got kind of blurry vision, just these kind of subtle, we call somatic, somatic changes. Um, so burnout sometimes is hard to put a word to because it's this big idea. And some people talk about it as more of their experience and the events and, and things that happen kind of during their day to explain kind of what burnout is. As you kind of move along through burnout, some of the other kind of stages are, you know, the second kind of middle one is we, we call it energy conservation. So this is the idea of like, I think I just need a three-day weekend. 
Um, I think I need that like fifth cup of coffee, which too much caffeine is not good for anybody. If you said five cup of coffee, I'd be like, hey, you're probably shaking and sweating all the time. Like not a good idea. Um, and then really kind of the last you know, idea of burnout is this exhaustion idea. Like I just can't do it. Or to go back kind of the email, you get that email from your boss of like, hey, I didn't see, you know, you didn't complete that task for me the other day. How come this is not? And you're like, yeah, I did. Like, I'm, I'm trying really hard. It's not happening. And it just kind of stays in your brain and you can't move past it. And so you get to lunch and you're thinking about it at lunch and you're like, I, I, just, I don't know what to do. You know, it's, it's kind of obsessive kind of, we call it the hamster wheel idea where you just kind of ruminate it on and on. It kind of rolls around in your brain, but there's these kind of different stages to burnout um, that people see. We talk, it, I mean, we talk a little bit about healthcare, but some people kind of equate it to caregiver fatigue. So if you ever have like your kids or you're taking care of an elderly parent and you kind of just start to kind of lose a sense of kind of who you are and what your purpose is and why you're here and what you're doing, that's how some people kind of understand what burnout is. Like it's not right and it's more than just like I had a bad day or two. It's there kind of consistently all the time throughout the day. Well, I like the stat you shared of the study because, you know, what's interesting about that is we often, you know, and you and I sometimes are involved in thinking about how to improve burnout and although it is challenging, it's uh, nice to hear optimistically that it actually maybe doesn't take quite that much to get people back to that 20% as opposed to thinking about the challenge of addressing some of those. So mm -hmm. I, I, that's, that was quite helpful for me to understand about that study. Um, uh, yeah, I think, and, and kind of jumping into the next part of this too is, you know, how do you, when, when, if you recognize that you're feeling burned out and, you know, sometimes um, uh, or, or a colleague, even if you're if you're talking about somebody in the workplace, yeah. How do you sort of get people who are feeling that way to kind of build back some of those uh, things to help them being uh, feeling more pride and, and joy and, and some of the things that they're doing every day? You you kind of mentioned the word right there, recognize. I mean, that's really kind of the first part of it. This this idea of a little bit of insight and self awareness of kind of understanding, you know, who you are, what's going on, what is different about yourself, like. Yeah, I'm not sleeping as well. I'm waking up in the middle of the night. Uh, th those are kind of, you know, just saying this is not, it doesn't feel right for me. And I kind of feel a little off or, you know, like a lot of people don't like to talk about their emotions and their feelings, you know, even, you know, coworkers, it's one thing, but even family members, sometimes it's hard to talk. And the, the, the question of, Hey, how are you doing? Uh, that's kind of how you ask somebody and you kind of open it up and, and let them, and sometimes giving feedback, Hey, like you seem like you're not doing okay. I, you know, I, you seem grumpy and irritable, right? That's one of the easy kind of things we can see sometimes about kind of recognizing what's there. But, you know, after you kind of recognize it, what you do is you have to reverse it. You can kind of back this up and turn it around and move the different way. And, and, you know, that's one of the kind of moving towards the idea of getting away from burnout. Um, you know, this, this idea of resilience and like, what do we do when things get tough? Like that's, that's how we get past and turn around burnout. And resilience is this idea of, the short concept of it is what do we do when things get tough and how do you bounce back from it? So you have a bad day, how do you move on from it? What are your strategies to get past it? How do you not let it bother you all day long? Resilience is one of these things that just keeps popping up and we keep seeing it. The great part about you know, what a lot of schools are doing now, they're teaching kids resilience when they're in preschool and in kindergarten and elementary school. And I know when I was growing up, like who knows what resilience was it was going out on the playground and like dodging dodgeballs from hitting you in the head all day long i mean you know that was the idea of like a stress release uh, and, and so they're really doing this in schools now which is great yeah let's talk let's talk a little bit more about that resilience it's kind of a word you hear it's almost like a buzzword and maybe you could sort of help us understand i mean one one of the ways that i was thinking about as you were describing it is it's kind of the ways that you can 
almost uh, prevent you from getting into the next situation of burnout. Um, we're gonna talk a little bit in a, in a moment also about wellness, but talk a little bit more like resilience. Like what, what is that? We keep hearing that. What is it? How do you get it? You know, what are some ways to, uh, to sort of be good at having resilience? Well, you don't catch it like COVID, which is <laughs> maybe good and bad, yeah. you know? If, if we could catch resilience, maybe that would be great. But um, so what is resilience? There's a lot of different definitions. The World Health Organization has this really long, like 10 sentence, big long paragraph kind of definition. I think when you kind of condense it all down and, and really what it is, it's, it's actively being aware of what's going on in your life and then doing something to make a difference. So what is that kind of those jumbledy, googly gunk of words? It's, it's something that you have innate inside of you that you can develop over time, that you can learn, that you can cultivate. Resilience, a lot like a muscle. The more you work it, um, the better it is. It's this active participation in daily life. You're here today, let's take care of today. Tomorrow will take care of itself. I've had some people ask me over the time like, where is resilience? Like what part of the brain and the body it is? Um, and we know from looking at functional MRI studies in different parts of the brain, there's actually a, a part of the brain called the anterior cingulate cortex. And we see that, that people that have, you know, so quote, more resistance, they have more activity in that area of the brain. I've also done some studies and looked at it and say, we can actually see people who are training to be more resilient they can increase from a baseline that area of their brain to a higher level. And so you may be born, you know, let's say you wanted to be an Olympic athlete, right? Like we all have an ability to be an Olympic athlete. Some of us are gonna have to train a little bit more than others. So resilience is the same idea. You have it, it's with inside of you, and over time you can build on resilience and build your own resilience. So when you get to the stressful things like a pandemic, that you can kind of say, you know what, this is just kind of something else. It's something a little stressful. It's a hurdle. It's a challenge. We're going to get through it. We're going to kind of move on. And let me be aware of what I'm doing while this is going on. So it's a little bit about, you ever heard of the mind's eye? It's kind of being aware of yourself and aware of what you're thinking while you're doing it. Like we'll say like the, the Dalai Lamas of resilience, like they're doing that at, all the time. They're living life and parallelly, like being aware of what they're doing all day long. So that's great. So, you know, I'm feeling burned out and I recognize that I'm feeling that way and I would like to be more resilient. So what do I do? What do you do? I'll ask you, what do you? Yeah, it's interesting. What do you do to be well? Um, yeah, I mean, I think I, I, I think about this in terms of things we often recommend for our patients around, you know, whether we're talking about, um, you know, reducing stress or having an outlet we talked about earlier. I don't go out and play dodgeball. <laughs> um, but uh, exercise, um, I have tried meditation. It's hard for me to make that a habit. Um, I do enjoy time with family. Um, so I'm not so good about putting away devices. You know, I, I, I know that uh, that's a challenge for me and for mm -hmm. many is to sort of actually separate from some of the things that are causing that stress and burnout. Yeah. So those are some for me. I don't know if, yeah. that, uh, if any of those are. So give me some advice, doctor. How am I doing? <laughs> You're doing pretty good. <laughs> you have some awareness and you have a plan and you know what works and what doesn't work. So that's, yeah, I, I like it. All right. I like great. it. I like it. Keep doing But so, you know, this, so resilience is this kind of idea of, of being well, wellness, right? And so wellness is, we'll call it the verb, right? It's what you're actually doing to promote your, your uh, resilience. And 
you know, if you Google what is wellness and what are the areas of wellness, like everybody's written a book on this. It feels like what these are the 10 areas of wellness and these are the 14 and these are the seven and things like that. But most of them seem to come back to like six kind of central concepts and ideas. And you mentioned, you know, physical well-being. Like, you know, you have to physically be doing okay because if you're not well, so your brain is, your body is too busy kind of trying to take care of itself and your brain is trying to survive. It goes in survival mode. So exercise is good. They, you know, people say, well, how much should I exercise? What do I need to do? They, there's all kind of interesting numbers. The one that I, I kind of think that feels that pops up and what we kind of tell our patients is, can you do 60 minutes a week of cardiovascular activity? You're like, you mean I got to get on the treadmill and run for an hour? And you're like, no, it's break it up into three 20 minute times. And, and what's cardiovascular? It's when you're exercising and it's a little difficult to talk. That's, that's what physical activity is. That's, the, that's a good physical activity. Some of the other areas, um, you know, professional or kind of work development, you know, talking back to being engaged and, and, and having fulfillment at work, you know, it's, it's what do you need to do next? Like where's your next, you know, continuing education kind of thing that you need to do for work? Or, you know, you need a new project. You've been doing the same stale job for the last three years. Like you go to your boss and say, I just need to be doing something different. Give me a project. Um, financial well-being, I, I'm not, it's a Dave Ramsey or whatever, you know, he could, but, you know, to making sure your bills are paid, making sure you're not worried about, like, what's going to happen next, making sure that, you know, the parking ticket's not going to come back to bite you in a couple of years, like, those are some of the things. Relationship well-being and, and wellness, you know, who's your support system, you know, that uh, give you a, a thought experiment, like, you know, if you were on a deserted island by yourself, would you be stressed out? You say, yeah, probably, and most people, and you say, well, you're going to be on a desert island, like, you know, what would you, what would you bring with you? And most people are like, I'd like to bring my buddy or my significant other or my mom or my dad or whoever. And so it kind of goes this idea of part of having good relationships are, are an important part of wellness. Um, spiritual wellness, spirituality and religion are kind of two different things, but if you think of, you know, what is spiritual wellness, it's, it's your sense of meaning and purpose. Like, why are you here and what do you do? You know, why do you do your job? Why are you a great parent? Um, you, you know, the, the, the why question is always kind of a fun thing to do of, you know, why am I doing, you know, why, why, why am I a doctor? I, I don't know. I like to help people. I always wanted to be a doctor. We were you know, talking about Halloween before we started the show, and I remember dressing up as a doctor when I was wanting to be a doctor when I was, like, maybe eight or nine years old, like something I just kind of always knew I would want to do. I like helping people. I don't know how. I just figured I was going to work. And I like science and the brain and all these kind of cool things. You know, one of the probably number six in all of the, you know, well-being and wellness categories is emotional well-being. The, the short concept of it is be nice to yourself. A lot of times we're hard on ourselves. We're saying, I should have, could have, would have, you know, I should have done this. If I would have done it this way, it would have been better. Part of emotional wellness and well-being is just to be aware of your emotions to go back kind of where we originally kind of started talking but you don't have to do anything about it short family story we have a, a, a one of our youngest kids is in preschool and his preschool teacher she sent they send these kind of inspirational things on friday and one thing she sent out said it's okay to have your emotion but it's not okay to express it all the time i'm like let me think about what that means so it's okay to be angry and upset but we also have to figure out how to function in our daily life. And so you get that bad email, you get the text, you look at the Facebook post where you, you know, weren't included in whatever activity. You're like, man, whatever. And it's like, oh, yeah, I got that feeling, but I'm not going to do anything with it. Just let me sit with it for a little while. Like, you know, it's the fall and all the leaves are falling on the ground. Like this idea of like 
just let your emotion pretend it's a stream. It's kind of going, you see, watching the stream. And that emotion is one of those leaves as they fall off the tree and they hit the stream and it just, yep, I see it. It's going to go by, go by and just let it kind of go by. And so, you know, emotional well-being is often being aware of kind of how you're feeling, but not necessarily needing to do anything about it right now. Um, but that's really how you kind of build, you know, you, you, you can build resilience by focusing on some of the, and you don't have to do them all at one time. Like, this is like crazy. If you were like, hey, why don't you, you know, why don't you work on all of these? Like, how am I supposed to get anything else done all day long, right? I can't, like, do all these at one time. And so if you spend, a, you know, a couple minutes once a week, just let me focus on this. Let me take some time. Let me self-reflect. Let me, you know, meditation, you know, great. Let me think about, like, let me think about thinking a little bit. And, and, and doing meditation is great. Great. No, that sounds good. I I'm, I'm appreciate the last comment about not tackling all six of those because that does seem overwhelming to me and, and exactly, uh, yeah. good. So um, another thing that we've talked about and just wondering if you could also just share about uh, gratitude and how that fits in with this. Back up a little bit. So if you talk about kind of well-being, there are certain things you can do, like little things, you know, like the, if you talk about the physical well-being, okay, I'm going to start exercising. Or the financial well-being. I'm going to save $50 every month. I'm going to put it aside. And whenever I get X amount of money, like I'm going to do something for myself. When we look at emotional well-being, um, gratitude sometimes comes up. And gratitude is this idea of being, it's being thankful for what someone else did and it had a positive outcome. But it's not, it doesn't necessarily have to be beneficial to me. So I'm telling somebody I really like what you did. You did a great job for X, Y, Z kind of, and that's it. You're not expecting a return. There's not a, I'm looking for you to give me some feedback. Hey, you did a really good job too. You know, that's, it's not something like that. When they look at gratitude, just as it's a purely, you know, I, I want to say thank you for what you're doing. You did a great job and it had a positive outcome on whatever it was. When they look at this kind of stuff, it, people are happier. Uh, they're more successful. They're less stressed. Um, you know, their home life and relationships are better. I mean, it has all this, like, it's hard to say, like, being grateful and having gratitude. It's not, there's not a lot of negative about that because it's a true, genuine, hey, I like what you did. I don't need anything back. I'm just kind of saying, hey, you, you kind of need some feedback. And and, um, and, it, and again, yeah. the key on that is it's the person giving the gratitude who actually is receiving the benefit as you were describing, yeah. right? Yeah. I mean, obviously getting the, the, the nice compliment is also nice for all of us, but yeah. I think that's a, a nice way of looking at it. Yeah. Great. Yeah. People do different gratitude in different ways. I mean, sometimes it's the email, you know, hey, you did a good job. It can be a little strange to tell. If you're not used to this, it can be a little strange to walk up to somebody, you know, and in person and make eye contact. And, you know, it's kind of just uncomfortable. So some people start really easy. Like you send a text message, you send an email, you know, it, that's a really good way to kind of get started doing it. And I'll share from you about gratitude. One thing I heard you say many years ago it did for gratitude was on Fridays, you try to send somebody an email. And just, you know, something happened that week. I, you know, recognize somebody did a good job. I try to kind of send them an email. And so, you know, just something years ago, I think you mentioned that you do. So um, it, it is really helpful. And it's, 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 it's selfish in a way because you're helping yourself, but it's also helping somebody else. Yeah, I mean, I think for me, I put it in my calendar because otherwise I wouldn't remember. Mm -hmm. I'm not, not naturally inclined to always do that. So I just had to give myself a little buzzer to make it a habit. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, that did work. Great. Well, thanks for remembering. Yeah. 
So uh, just in the last part here, uh, Nick, just wondering if you could just talk a little bit about behavioral health at Crystal Run, and obviously you're one of our psychiatrists and, and, the, uh, and the division leader for psychiatry. What, what do we have here for patients who are, who are needing help in terms of uh, some of these issues if they're moving from burnout into a, you know, a concern about anxiety mm -hmm. or depression, for mm -hmm. example, and does everyone need a psychiatrist and you know, where can they go to get help? Yeah. You know, Crystal Run's great because we have this nice integrated practice. So we have all these different specialties, multiple different locations, and we have a shared electronic healthcare record, and we kind of kind of see what's going on with all of our patients. And so, you know, we, we've been fortunate enough here, we have a great group of primary care docs. And that's oftentimes the first place to start. Most of us, our primary care doc probably knows a lot more intimate, more intimate details than most people. And so, you know, going to your primary care doc and saying, hey, I'm, I'm feeling burnout, I'm feeling stressed, and our primary care docs will know what kind of questions to ask you. They can do some screening, you know, questions and say, hey, this is what's going on. And, and they can, you know, based on kind of what you're telling them, they can say, hey, this is the best kind of treatment. Like, let's get you set up with a psychotherapist. Let's figure out, you know, what you're going to do to work on your physical health. Let's, um, you know, maybe you need to see a psychiatrist, but not everybody needs to see a psychiatrist. And so, you know, one of the great things about being here is you know, our primary care doctors pretty much have a psychiatrist that they can ask a question to 24-7. And so everyone knows about, you know, the, the shortage in mental health providers that's out there. And instead of waiting to get an appointment for months, you know, our primary care docs can send us a question and say, I have a question like, what do you think about starting this medication for a person? Or maybe they need a certain type of psychotherapy. And so we can kind of give them some guidance and really work on it as a team so that it's not just the primary care doc trying to figure it out. We can say, no, do this next or try this next or, you know, and, and if someone needs to see somebody, we can say, you know what, like, this is really beyond, we need to get a, you know, an expert, a, a consultant involved and let's have them see, you know, one of us here. Great. And any any other resources that you often recommend in terms of help with resilience or burnout, uh, apps or yeah, no, websites? The, I was going to say, things? yeah, there's a lot of good apps that are out there right now. I mean, you know, the Headspace and the Calm apps and, you know, being in the state of New York, the, the state of New York has a lot of great resources, just COVID-related stress resources and how to do things. I mean, we all have the you know, a library in our pocket, right? You can open your phone and go to your internet, you know, and type in stress resilience and what, and it'll give you a, a thousand different kind of things to work on. So, you know, it's, it's not, to me, it doesn't matter so much what you're doing. It's the fact that you're doing something that's great and starting that process and picking and going. And it's like, maybe this works for this, but it doesn't work for my other issue that I'm having. So it really any place to start is a good place to start. Great. Yeah, I think, you know, one of the things that I've seen over the last year and a half or so is it's in my, and I'm a primary care uh, doctor in my practice, and so many people have come in and have been feeling these things and are almost um, unaware uh, that, that the, the, what we talked about at the beginning, which is this is so prevalent right now given all of the stressors that are going on. So I just want to acknowledge everybody listening and, and also my patients and, and, and you today that, you know, we're going through a really challenging time and um, a lot of these things that are happening are really common right now. Um, and so, you know, the advice that you're sharing today is really, I think, excellent and wonderful for all of us to, to think about. Um, so so uh, imagine someone just just started to listen now. They came late and they this is a live show, but like back in the old times mm -hmm. rather than record and they can't rewind. So give us like the, the, the two or three summary bullet points for takeaways for people uh, listening and thinking about this uh, in their lives. Yeah, you know, I think with the pandemic going on and all the changes in the last year, stress and anxiety are real. We're all experiencing them. They're not only just physical, but they're also, you know, emotional. Their cognitive changes are making. 
There are things that you can do that are innately inside of you by building your resilience that, that can be helpful, that can move you towards an idea of wellness and, and overall general great health. And, and that's really what we want to try to help out people with. Great. Well, great advice. And thanks again, uh, Dr. Nick Batson, uh, psychiatrist, medical director at Krista Run. I'm Dr. John Nasser. Thank you again for listening to our podcast, The Healthy Dose, and look forward to seeing you next time.